When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. This is the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. And we're here to reflect on Everton's 2-1 win at Southampton and look ahead to Everton's women's team and their huge clash at Anfield on Sunday later in the show. We speak to Willie Kirk, who is the manager of that team, looking to end Everton's poor record at Anfield. But I'd like to say for the first part of the show, I'm going to be speaking to Sarah Halpin. Sarah, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, my absolute pleasure as always, Matt. It uh, should be a, a fantastic week. Um, it, it was set up in, in the right way by Everton going to Southampton on Saturday and winning 2-1. Obviously the first away win of the season under Marco Silva, the first away win the team have had since March. Um, what were your, your thoughts afterwards, Sarah? Just a, a bit of sense of relief, or truth be told? Yeah, to be honest with you, Matt, it's exactly that. I mean, uh, to be honest, there's no real... Um, danger I don't think of us getting relegated but when you find yourself approaching Christmas so close to the relegation zone and with such a a difficult set of fixtures coming up as well I think it was absolutely crucial that we got the three points there and you know it could have been the scoreline could have looked a lot healthier um, but in a way I almost think the fact that we did just win 2-1 after throwing away the lead we've got ourselves at half time to go on and make sure we got the three points, I think was definitely the most important thing and, and showed a side and character to Everton under Marco Silva that we've not seen anywhere near enough of. Yeah, I mean, were you very much like, I mean, we, we spoke earlier in the week and on the um, on the instant match reaction show with, with Mike and, and Rob Vera about how when it went to 1-1, you sort of thought, oh no, this, this is only going to go one way. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, it was uh, totally a matter of, because that's what we've seen. And that's been the main concern, I think, of, of Everton under Marco Silva has been that when we do go behind in games or we've gone behind and then the team gets back into it, that we just go on to throw all the points away. And there is, of course, a very real fear that that will happen, especially given the fact that, you know, by halftime, Chenk Tosson have missed a glorious opportunity. We've missed a few chances and you just start to think, oh, gosh, is it going to happen again? Um, but thankfully, we stepped up and, you know, given all, all the the terrible things that have happened at Everton over the last couple of weeks with the injury to Gomez and the shocking decisions and stuff, I, I feel like that was just a huge weight off and so important to get that over the line. And it's got to do them the world good for mm. confidence to prove that, you know, we, we, can, we can turn things around when the chips are down and things aren't going the way we want them to. We've got it in us to, to be able to do that. And I think, yeah, psychologically, that win against Southampton will have done us the world of good. I wanted to talk about a couple of individual players. It's actually the two lads who are on the score sheet at the weekend on uh, Saturday. Uh, Tom Davis um, in particular. Um, I think if you if you look at it, I suppose, Sarah, Everton's turnaround, in inverted commas, uh, starting with that West Ham game, which they won 2-0, over to the game on Saturday. Has, has coincided with Tom coming, coming back into the team. He's played five games. Everton have, Everton have done 
okay in all of them. Obviously, the, the Brighton one stands out, but things are taken out of our hands a little bit with the, the VAR officiating. But um, he's, he's certainly impressed, hasn't he, since he's come back into the side. And I suppose he's a, he's a player that we spoke about in the past and spoke about in the summer in regards to, does he need a loan move? Has he got much of a future at the football club? Um, so it's great credit to Tom that he's been able to seize what has effectively been a, a last chance saloon chance for him. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, it's it's so unfortunate with what's happened with certain injuries, but it has given him that, that you know, permission to be starting games now because we kind of need him. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of Tom Davis. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't have picked someone better to open the scoring for the Toffees on Saturday. I think he's done exceptionally well since he's come in. Does he still make mistakes? Yes, sometimes, you know, of course. He's still a young player and there's a lot to learn, especially when you're being thrown in and out of the side. And most recently, of course, it had been completely out of the side, completely in the dark. Um, the last few games, he's obviously been given that chance. And I think he's getting better and better all the time. The main thing with Tom is that it's always a forward pass. It's always a turn and a forward pass. And he's always looking to, to get Everton on the attack and cause problems to the opposition and move that ball forward. And that's something that we've not seen enough of. Um, he's tenacious, Tom, and he's, you know, it's it's not the being all, being end all, them being a, a local and Evertonian, you know, we all know mm. that, but I think that certainly helps, especially in times like this, when, when things have been so hard, no one will know and understand the feeling of the fans more so than Tom, um, and I think he's come in and, you know, he's, he's, grabbed, he's grabbed himself a goal, um, some of the some of the balls he's been putting through have been spot on as well. He's he's got a real touch of class about him, Tom Davis. It's just you know I'd like to see him now maintain his place in the side and and get some more momentum and hopefully find himself way back in there. Because as you said, you know we were looking not so long back about is it best for him to to go on loan? Is it best for him to move on? Um, but I think he's proven over the last few games that there's certainly a future for him at Everton. And Richarlison, Sarah. Uh, first of all, before we speak about his goal at the weekend and you know the way in which he played. What did you make of the, the criticism that came his way last week in regards to going down easily and, and diving in inverted commas? Um, Marco Silva certainly wasn't very happy about it. Yeah, do you know what? I think, to be honest, um, I'm happy that he's had a word with Richarlison because it is something that is highly frustrating about his game. He's fantastic, but you know, particularly the Spurs game and stuff, you're just looking at him and going, lad, you're not going to get anything to just stop. And sometimes when he goes down and he has been fouled, but he's staying on the floor and he's he's having a tantrum and he's not cracking on with it because, you know, and, and I'm there sat in my seat at the ground screaming at him going, just get up, get up. You know, things aren't always going to go your way. We know that. We know that better than ever. There's some of the absolute mm. howlers that have been given, not only in our games, but um, all over the Premier League recently. So you do want to see him stand up more. Um, and I think we did see a really strong performance from him on Saturday and maybe... That chat from Silva has, has done him the world of good. Maybe people highlighting that a bit. And, you know, of course, he's South American as well. And football, it very much is a huge part of the game. Um, you do the theatrics a little bit, accentuate yeah. maybe some of the fouls and stuff to, to draw the attention. But it's not been working for him. It's been backfiring, if anything, going against him. So, yeah, just seeing him be that little bit more strong because he's one of our key players. There's no doubt about that. Um, it, it was fantastic to see him on the score sheet again. And... Yeah, hopefully we'll see. We'll start to see him being stronger. But you know, the refs have got to do their bit as well because how often we do see him getting kicked to pieces. Um, but he certainly won't do himself any favours by going down. So keep being strong, and uh, yeah, I think I think he'll he'll be one of one of the best players for us again this season. Yeah, and no, I suppose it's after a weekend where. You know, he's not had the penalty given against him against Tottenham, which pretty much should have been given, where the focus has been on him for the wrong reasons, in inverted commas, for his theatrics and going down. Having that that winning goal in front of the away fans, grabbing the badge, all that kind of thing, it, it, it's great for him to go off on international break with, with those sorts of feelings, isn't it? Definitely. And there's nothing, he, he does love a good. Uh, he gives us the big one, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, he does. He, he does love all that and his pigeon dancing and everything in front of the the elated away support. So, yeah, I think it'll do him the world of good because you could see, I mean, he always has a scowl on his face anyway, doesn't he? Whether he's happy, sad, <laughs> angry. Yeah. I think he's just got one of those sort of faces. But um, it was it was great to see him in, enjoying the winner, what, 15 minutes from time. And it could go on to be a really, really key one for us as well. Of course, he got the goal um, to ensure that we went through to the final eight in the, in the League Cup as well. So, 
yeah, great to see him firing on all cylinders and hopefully he'll go away with Brazil um, and, and, and do well with them as well. And he can come back ready for us to hopefully fire a few in against Norwich in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, um, moving on to looking looking ahead then. Actually, we'll look, look back very quickly, Sarah, to the game uh, between England and Germany at Wembley Stadium over the weekend. Um, incredible attendance, really. And I think if the, if this was, you know, sort of in isolation as... You know, a match on an international weekend, or a match on a you know a, a weeknight or, or Sunday afternoon. You'd sort of say, well, maybe you'd expect that many. But I think what what really struck me about this was that it was on the same time as a lot of Premier League games. The weather was absolutely terrible, and you know a lot of people could have could have easily not bothered going to it. Um, and I, th- I think it just goes to show the the appetite for the women's game at the moment in this country. And, and you know that that might sound patronising. I'm sure you're sick of hearing the attendances being spoken about but I suppose it's important that we get this product in front of as many eyes as possible yeah a hundred percent and you know I think it's it's obviously only a a good thing to hear that the attendances are rising and growing all the time to see Wembley sold out and I think there there ended up being about 77,000 I think it was in the ground which is a record attendance in this country Hmm. Um, and all those reasons you just listed there as well of course it was a friendly game it's huge and it shows that you know, the, the, the work that the Lionesses and, and this country has done to promote the women's football of the last couple of years is really starting to pay off. And we're at a really exciting time in the game and it's only going to grow and get bigger. But, you know, it is about that because there has always been this sort of stigma to it. And we know the differences in the game. We know that women aren't as fast. We know that they aren't as physical necessarily. So it is a, it's, it's the same game, but it's going to be, there's going to be slight variations to it. But I think what you see is when people come to watch the girls, they are as much as some people like to poke fun and stuff, they're actually turning around and going, oh gosh, you know what, actually the technical ability in the game is 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 really taking me by surprise. And, you know, it, it, it's like, he's, oh my gosh, they can actually play football. Wow. <laughs> you know, they really can. <laughs> yeah. the, le- the level's improving all the time. And I think, you know, the more people that come to these games, obviously I know we'll go on to talk about the Derby this weekend, but get into Wembley, get into Stamford Bridge, White Hart Lane, Anfield, Goodison, wherever these games may be played at the, the, the main Premier League stadium. A lot of people, that'll be their first introduction to women's football. And that can only be a good thing because, you know, some people might turn up and decide that it's not for them. But most people I meet get bitten by the bug and, mm. and really fall in love with it. So, um, yeah, it's it's an, it's certainly a very, very exciting for women's football in this country, definitely. Just, just on that, with the, the big stadiums, I think that's a really interesting point. It, it's something I, I spoke to Willie Kirk about, um, which which is going to be coming up in, in part two. I mean, from, from what you know about the girls and, and travelling around with them, obviously the game at Wembley on, on Saturday is, is a unique one in regards to the attendance. You've already said there yourself, it's the biggest attendance in the country. When you're saying about those those big venues, obviously we've got Granfield at the weekend, we've had the Etihad Stadium host these games in the past. Do you think the players like playing in these stadiums when they might not necessarily be full and there might be a bit of an echo? Or do you get the sense from them that they prefer to play in in more intimate and, and smaller venues where there's you know the, the grounds look packed, it's closer to the pitch? What, what, what do you think the, the players actually prefer? Because while there'll be a lot of buzz about this, this game in Anfield at the weekend, do you think they like it better when it's a bit, a bit more intimate and a bit more hostile? Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, when you do get an occasion like Wembley and hopefully we'll see a very full Anfield Stadium on Sunday as well, um, it's a totally different thing because, of course, you've got the stadiums. When they're full and when they're rocking, I think nothing else must compare to that. But what you do see, of course, while we're still working on the attendances growing, what you'll do often is get a big spike for certain huge games that are put together at big stadiums, etc., but we need to get people coming week in, week out. Because if you get a little a little stadium that holds maybe 4,000 and you fill that, it really does feel like 40,000. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're something we've seen with, with Liverpool women, for example, they play at Prenton Park, their home games, and have been. And if they are not hitting a, a high attendance on a home game, it can feel very, very empty and very lonely out there and isolated. Uh, so, yeah, I've heard from the girls themselves as well. A lot of them do prefer... The, as, if it's small and packed, they'd take that over, you know, a huge stadium that, mm. that's barely full. So what we want to see, obviously, it's going to take a while. But in the long run, we'd love to see them, you know, fill in these big stadiums sure. week in, week out. Um, obviously, we're a way off that yet, but certainly that's got to be the goal. Um, 
because I think, you know, what could be better? I'd love nothing more than to see a full Goodison Park and host a derby at Goodison Park next season or something like that. You know, I think that'd be great, but it would be meek if there was 500 people inside Goodison Park. So it's about getting that balance. Um, and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, as I said. So hopefully these, these attendances are going to continue to spike and grow. And who knows what we might see in a few years. Maybe it'll be more of a regular thing that we're playing in these mm. big venues. Yeah, on to the game on Sunday then. Um, just quite simply, Sarah, what, what shape are Everton in going into this game at Anfield? Um, are they the favourites? Yes. Well, I, I would say that we are favourites based on form. Um, we're sat in fifth in the Barclays FAWSL at the moment three wins out of five and um, playing some lovely stuff. I think the, the two results where we lost, it was a really, we were really unfortunate not to get anything off Manchester City who, you know, we all know how good they are in the women's game and we'd lost three to away to Reading. Other than that, you know, a couple of cup games, we were disappointed. We lost um, a, a match against Manchester United in the Conti Cup last week. But I think, you know, that's, that's probably more of an isolated result, what happened there. And I think if anything, it's going to motivate us even more to go here and, and get back to winning ways uh, like we are in the league. And Liverpool, they're sat rooted to the bottom of the league at the moment. They're yet to pick up a win in the league. So they're going to be surely feeling um, feeling the pressure for this one, as will their manager be. But the fact that it is at Anfield, could this be, you know, they must be looking at this and going, this is the game where we turn it around. This has to be the game. We're at Anfield mm. and all that stuff. Um, so they're going to be looking at this as the perfect opportunity, I guess, to kick start their season. But what our girls have to do is just go there and play and, and play to their ability, be up for the derby, um, go into every challenge. They know what it means to, to play for Everton in the derby, um, but but just know their own and know that they've got the ability to go there and, and get the three points. And I think we should. A huge loss will be Chloe Kelly. Um, mm. She actually got two yellow cards against Manchester United right at the end of the game. And she's now suspended for the game against Liverpool at Anfield, which is absolutely devastating for her. Um, devastating for the team, of course, as well, because she's been the, you know, she's still the top scorer in the league this season. So she'll be a huge loss. But I've got every faith that we're going to go there. As long as we play, we don't lose our heads and don't let ourselves get rattled by the occasion too much. Be up for it, but don't lose mm. your head. Um, I think we'll get the job done. Uh, do you think, Sarah, that the the extra attention on the plays this week will will help them or hinder them? Obviously, we've Spoken a lot about how it's quite a, a young side, and you know, Willie's had to rely on a lot, a lot of young players throughout the course of the season. You know, nineteen-year-olds, twenty, eighteen-year-olds, twenty-year-olds throughout the squad. Obviously, they've had media commitments all week. We've been talking about it on our show tonight. We'll be doing more on it in, in, later in the week as well. Do you think those young players will be affected by the, the extra scrutiny they're going to be under this week at all? To be honest, we've got such a good group of girls and I've got to be honest, is that, you know, we have got a few 18, 19 year olds, etc. And I forget the age of them sometimes because they are, especially when they're out on that pitch, they are so mature. Um, and I think that, you know, they'll handle themselves. I just hope that they, you know, appreciate this, take it all in because it's probably the biggest game that a lot of them have ever played in. Um We've got also in there the likes of Kika Van Ness, who was a Euro 2017 winner with Holland. So she won't be phased by this. Some of the players have played in huge games. But for a lot of them, this is going to be, you know, certainly the biggest derby they've ever played in. So um, I think they're going to do themselves proud. As I said, they just need to make sure they keep their heads, keep their cool. They know there's going to be a lot of eyes on them. Um, hopefully they take that as a way they step up their game. But, you know, it must be nerve-wracking, but I think they, they've got the right mindset. We've got good staff and a good team around them. Um, so I think they'll do themselves proud, and they'll they'll certainly do Everton proud. I just hope we get that win. Uh, it'd be nice to see Everton win at Anfield. It hasn't happened for a long while. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, do you think they're going to do it, Sarah? I do, yeah. I, I, I don't think... I think the, the fact we're missing Chloe Kelly is a, is, is a huge loss as well, but I think our girls with a better side, um, and I know they're feeling confident, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 win for Toffees. It's what we like to hear. Um, Sarah, thanks very much for joining us, as ever. Um, hopefully see you on Sunday at the game. My pleasure, mate. See you there. Yep, always lovely to speak to Sarah. Just a reminder, 
Liverpool versus Everton at Anfield in the Women's Super League is on Sunday, the 17th of November. That's this Sunday, and it's at 3 o'clock. Make sure you get down there, support the Blue Girls, and fingers crossed, Everton can get a long overdue win at Anfield. Tell us all about that team and how they are looking ahead of the weekend's game. We'll speak to the Everton manager, Willie Kirk, here on Radio City Talk. We are back on the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk, and we're going to continue our focus on Everton and the women's team and the game at Anfield this weekend. I'm delighted to say, joining me on the line now to have a chat about the team is Willie Kirk. Willie, thanks very much for coming on. No problem, thanks for having me. Uh, before we talk about the season so far and, and the game at the weekend, um, I just wanted to ask you about your, your time at Everton so far. Obviously, you, you came in in December 2018, the team in a, a bit of a tough position. Um, how have you found working with the team and how have you found living in the city so far? Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a few shorter year. Uh, it's been a very, very quick year. I think a lot's happened, but no, it's been enjoyable. The club have been very, very welcoming, which I expected. Uh you know, when you speak to people in general, but whatever it matters, I think I think I've, I've, not, I've not been disappointed. You know, in terms of very welcoming, everybody's there to help each other. Uh, you know, it's very much a one club feel. Uh, so, so that's certainly not been a letdown. Uh, and and yeah, I've, I've enjoyed trying to trying to make the team better and and try to make the you know a, a high performance and and challenging environment. What's it like for for a manager when you've got to come into a situation like that and? And sort of lift lift the troops and sort of get them playing a little bit better because you know there's there's often talk about a new manager bounce and I suppose as fans we we almost take that as a given that that's going to happen but I, I imagine from your your own point of view you must think that well there's a lot of work that goes into this sort of thing as well. Yeah, I think a lot. Of, I'm not. I think every situation is slightly different. I think the one I came into was, you know, I looked at the squad. It was very very talented. Yet they were bottom of the league. Uh, they were based at Finch, so the training facilities were fantastic. So, I, you know, I looked at it from the outside and thought there's something wrong, but I, I don't think it would take much to to, change, to turn things around. And, and that's what it proved. You know, we went in. There was a really talented and uh, eager group of players to to put some wrongs right. Uh, I think they felt responsibility and, and a little bit guilty about what had happened with Andy. Uh, so yeah, we, we made a couple of quick fixes uh, and, and and quickly got results, which always helps. You know, when your first game is a Merseyside derby and you go on and win it, you know, it probably gives you quite a bit of freedom to to really be quite heavy on on what you want to change and, and your philosophies, and, and and the players will buy into that just because you win your first game. So I think little moments like that can become crucial in, in the rest of your your career at the club. And towards the, obviously the back end of last season as well, yeah, still, still a few difficult results every now and then. But you know, speaking to Sarah Halpern, who, who's regular on the show, I believe you know well, and sort of getting the updates from from her throughout the campaign, it felt very much as though you were able to establish a, your own identity on the team towards the back end of the campaign. You have the, you have the good win at West Ham United the way you beat Red and three two in the penultimate game of the season. Did you feel as that? Did you feel as though at the end of the season that this was a team playing more in the image of what you wanted? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, we certainly never wanted to take anything for granted, but we got a couple of results quickly, and it put us in a position where we felt we were we were going to be comfortable. Uh, and basically, the objective was to stay up, uh, and, and and we felt those couple of quick results gave us that bit of breathing space. So for the rest of the season, we 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 pretty much focused on next year and moving forward, so we could get a head start on this year, and that's the way it proved, and and we could probably. Take a few more gambles and a few more risks in terms of the way we wanted to play, and the, the sole focus wasn't on results, which probably coincided with still having a couple of tough, tough results towards uh, the end of the season. But it, it gave us a head start for this year because the, the players we knew we were going to be working with this year, we probably gave them more minutes on the pitch. Uh, mm. We probably asked them to play in a certain style that we knew we were going to implement uh, in this in this new season. And looking at the new season as well, I mean, I was going to ask you there in regards to what you think has been the the main difference in, in the side. Uh, looking at the league table, Everton are, are in fifth, three wins and two defeats from the five games so far. Is it? Did you look back to that spell last season and sort of say the foundations were, were laid there for this strong start you've had now? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we were we were quite clear fairly early on in terms of the players were wanting to take us forward. Uh, we knew the improvements we wanted to make to our sort of everyday working environment and, and the way we wanted to work 
and and really over over and above that, it was going to come down to recruitment. Uh, how much budget would we get from the club? Which which it was improved. Uh, you know, what players could we bring in? Which players could we afford? Uh, which players could we actually attract to a team that had finished second bottom two years in a row, which was a challenge in itself. Uh, and and I think I think recruitment has been really really good. Uh, we we brought in experience which we definitely needed. So we've got a young squad, but we also managed to bring in a couple of younger players as well, just to maintain that philosophy of young English talent at the club. Yeah, and the one the one player who's obviously caught most of the headlines this season, of course, has been some really good displays from from players throughout the squad. The defensive record's excellent, but the player who's become a bit of a a household name among Evertonians and certainly become a bit of a social media hit with a couple of the goals. Early in the campaign was was Chloe Kelly, and it it seems to me from you know from what I've read about the team and from what I've seen of her and what I've heard about her the the way in which she's acquitted herself this season is sort of indicative of the rest of the team in terms of the improvements she's making and the strides she's making in her own game. Yeah, I think so. Chloe's a Chloe's a special talent. You know, she she's exciting, she's frustrating. Uh, you know, not just <laughs> for myself but yeah. our, our teammates as well because because and when she's playing with confidence, she wants to do more and more. Uh, she takes players on, she shoots, uh, you know, and I can see that frustration of teammates sometimes, but, you know, the other side of the coin is everybody realises that she can win you games, she is a game changer. Uh, I, I think I think the staff and Chloe understand that she's still got things to improve on, but no, she's certainly started the season very, very strongly. Uh, she'll be a big miss on Sunday through her suspension mm. after the red card in the, in the League Cup group game, uh, which, again, is part of her learning curve. Uh, she's a young player, you know, she's got to learn how she can still perform while sitting on a yellow card, for example, uh, and, and, and not make sure she doesn't get that second yellow. So, yeah, it's all part of her learning. As I say, she'll be a big miss on Sunday, but it, it gives opportunity to somebody else. Yeah, um, I mean, on the team as a whole, you said you, had, you felt as though you had to, to bring experience into the squad, but you know, if you go through the team and look at the the players that have been playing in general, you know, you've got uh, you've got the goalkeeper uh, Capello who's made five appearances, but the rest of the squad, it feels as though very much you've, you've relied and put faith in in those younger players. Was that a sort of a conscious decision at the start of the campaign from yourself that you wanted to trust these these youngsters to come in, or has it just been a case of these are the girls that have been doing it on the training pitch for you? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much that latter point. Uh, you know, we've brought in young Molly Pike at 18. Yep. You know, I brought in thinking that by the time we get to January, she might be ready to play. She came in, she was absolutely flying. She was a little bit fortunate with a couple of knocks to midfielders in pre-season, so she maybe got an opportunity quicker than we anticipated, but, but she's she's played because she's deserved to play. Uh, Esme Morgan, our teenager, we brought in a year's loan to Man City. has done fantastic. Uh, so... Yeah, it wasn't so much a conscious decision. Uh, you know, we did bring in experience with Kika Vaness, Maeva Clemeron, uh, partly senior internationals, obviously, as you've mentioned, Timmy uh, Capella. So, you know, we consciously brought in experience, but we've, we've not consciously picked, picked experience in the start lineup. It's basically been the players that have deserved to play. And, and I think we've still got the youngest, the youngest squad and the youngest starting 11 in, in the league. So, you know, that's something I believe in as young players, but yeah, everybody's everybody's been playing on merit. And all thoughts obviously now are geared towards Anfield and, and the huge game there at the weekend. And a, a lot's been said about the significance of the game and how important it is for, for women's football, which is is absolutely right. Um, when it comes to, to matches like these, Willie, do you sort of do you enjoy the build up to it? Do you enjoy doing the extra media commitments that, that come along with it, or are you very much a, I just want to focus on preparing my team for this game sort of manager? I think it's part and parcel of it. I think we've got to accept that. I think we've got to embrace it. Uh, we've all got a responsibility to try and grow the game. You know, I don't think we can be selective in, in, in what, what we get. You know, we want we want big big occasions, so we can't just pick and choose that, you know, what comes part of a big occasion is an extra media duties, for example, or extra attention. So I think we've just got to embrace everything that comes with it. Uh, it's, it's a massive game. You know, I... I've not downplayed it. I've not tried to tell the players, you know, to shut all that off. Mm. I want the players to actually feel a bit of pressure uh, in terms of performing in front of a big crowd. I want I want the players to be excited about it. So, yeah, we might use up a little bit more nervous energy than we normally do, but I, I think it's something that that we are embracing. And and come Sunday, you know, if we can make sure that, you know, 
I fully expect to win the game, uh, but I, I still want Liverpool fans leaving the stadium going, yeah, Everton are a right good team. Mm. Uh, so I, I want the players to, to leave a, a last impression on the, however many thousand we get at the game. And just on that, it's obviously the, the attendance is going to be fantastic, and I imagine a lot of these players will have played at, at some iconic stadiums around the, the country and, and around the world. When the girls talk about these sorts of matches in, in training, do they get the the same sort of buzz as, as we do as fans looking ahead to them? Because I, I imagine for a lot of them that maybe this just depends on the player, that some of them would see bits of empty seats and, you know, in a bigger stadium and, you know, you can hear the echoes around the ground and not really like it, whereas some will prefer the, the, the smaller, more compact stadiums, which are a bit more full. Does it just vary from player to player on that or are they all really excited for this Anfield game? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's a couple who will find it a little bit strange uh, at different times of the game. Uh, but I would, I would say the vast majority of them are looking forward to it. Uh, they're certainly training that way. Uh, so they're all training uh, eager and, and, and desperate to get on that pitch at some point. You know, even if they're not starting. I've explained to them a number of times, if we want to be a big club, part of that is having competition for places, which we never had last season. I think that's had a big impact on our performances this year. And there's no way everybody's going to be going to be happy on on Sunday because you know I can only pick eleven. But it's it's what impact they can still have off the pitch and what mm. impact they can have when they come on. So, so I think everybody's looking forward to it. I'm sure some some people are very nervous around will I be playing, will I not? I've got a lot of family coming. So yeah, I, I think in the main everybody's looking forward to it. Uh, but but will undoubtedly be undoubtedly be nervous alongside that Well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um, best of luck from all of us here at the Blue Room and no doubt all of our listeners it has been far too long since we've seen an Everton team going with it Anfield um, I'm sure it'll happen at the weekend Yeah, hope, hopefully we can make that happen Yeah, Great stuff from Willie there um, in the final part of the show we'll be chatting with Peter Reid Derek Manfield all about the Howard's Way film we'll be right back here on the Blue Room on Radio City Talk we're back on the Blue Room for the final part of the show. We've done a lot of looking forward to the game on Sunday between Everton and Liverpool at Anfield. We're going to do a little bit of looking back now, as I'm sure you're all aware. Rob Sloman's Howard's Way film was released earlier this week, documenting Everton's greatest ever side from the 1980s. Our very own Les Roberts had the privilege of speaking to two of the key members of that side, Peter Reid and Derek Manfield. Here's some of what those fantastic former Everton players had to say. Yeah. Thanks for speaking to the Blue Room. No problems. Um, just saying off camera then, it's the first time the lads are all getting together for a long, long time. A hell of a long time, yes. Um, we've had a couple of reunions, but there's always been one or two or three missing. So, first time in 34 and a half, nearly 35 years. We should hopefully all be in the same room. Yeah. Um, whether some of us enjoy watching the film is another point. <laughs> but I'm sure the after party will be uh, full of laughter and jokes. and. Uh, copious amounts of alcohol spilled down our necks like we used imagine. to do in the 80s yeah you definitely you definitely <laughs> earned that haven't you um, I remember watching an interview with you a while ago and one of the things that really struck me was when you said like while you were on the pitch winning trophies with Everton your mates were on the terraces watching yeah. it and you, you sort of like you feel you missed out I missed a lot I missed I out on that yeah so, I do I still feel that now yeah um, I was too young at the end of 69, 70 I was only I think it was 7 or 8 so you vaguely time. remember yeah, that team I saw yeah. a few of the games and then in 95, I was doing my FA Cup, one of my FA coaching badges, and I not, so I couldn't get to Wembley. So, yeah. in my Everton supporting career, I've never seen Everton lift a trophy. Mad. Yeah, I'm classed as being part of the greatest ever team, Everton, yeah. by winning all this. But so for me to be with my mates on the terraces at Wembley, when we win the FA Cup or whatever, to go to the fountains, Falls Square, have a dip in like they did in the mid 80s. Yeah. For me, it's what I want to do. I want to, I want to see Everton. I want to be. I want to see Everton to trophy because I want the tag of being the best ever team taken away from us. Yeah. Not being crude and rude, but it's nice being that. But why aren't we the second or third best? It means that our club has gone on to better things and started winning trophies again. It's a lovely honour being the best team. Okay. But let's let's be the second best. Let me go to Wembley. Let me go and win. A, let me go see my team lift a trophy with me mates yeah. and, and have a good laugh. But. Yeah, well, we talked to my mates all the time and we used to stand on the same spot on the street and so every time I came out I could see him every time I came out and they didn't, they didn't have to worry about picking up tickets for the big games it was always alright though I've got them for you <laughs> you're paying for them but I've got them for you so they never had to queue for cup final tickets and, and Liverpool away United away they always got them off me yeah. and I just wish I could go and do what they did 
it's nice playing at Wembley, but to be at Wembley to win must be a different feeling altogether. Yeah, I think they probably all swap with you as well. I said to people, yeah, no, you want to do. You, I want to be where you are. Yeah, and you want to be where I was. Yeah, you know, definitely. Going to Wembley and the coach, and you see the fans are all cheering a pint line. I want to be there. Yeah. They're going. I want to be on that coach. We <laughs> those there, so but one day it'll happen to me. One day I'll be an Everton fan at Wembley or Everton fan at Goodison Park yeah. or whether it's the new Bramley or whatever it is. Watching Everton lift a trophy, hopefully a league, hopefully we'll put an FA Cup in in years to come. Fingers crossed. That's what we all want. Um, so you say like you, you sort of you growing up watching Everton in the seventies. You obviously were Howard Kendall, yeah. massive player. What was it like getting signed by him? What was it like sort of? an Everton legend at the time as a player what was it like him signing you as a player was that like a big honour it was just a dream yeah. um, so I you came from Tramia yeah, yeah. I, was, I was with Tramia about to go away end of the season Tramia had a, a, always an end of season trip to, to sunny Blackpool for three days so I got me kit me bag ready to go to Blackpool and we were training in the far corner I get a phone call and he calls me back and he says we're, we're going to we're going to sell you it was Brian Hamilton I went what do you mean we're going to sell you no why he said we've had a good offer it's a good move for you and I went who is it and he went Everton and I couldn't get the phone quick enough <laughs> on the end of the phone is Howard Kendall and uh, we've been watching we've been impressed can you play in this game and bum 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 playing the game come back home he says I'll be in touch he has in touch for a while and then the phone goes and it's you sign him, we're going to sign you, and it's. I could have signed a bank contract. Yeah, amazing. Um, I've still got the contract now at home, it's in pristine condition because I don't care what I want. My proudest moment is actually signing a contract saying I'm an Everton player. Brilliant. Not an Everton winner, I'm an Everton player. Love that. The rest was a complete bonus for me. Yeah. It was a dream to go from the terraces to a contract, but the terraces contract and then finals and leagues, it, it was. For me, it was still. I still go like that and pinch yourself to leave it. It happened to me, but I'm pleased it did because I'm. I'm, I'm I look back with so many fond memories, but I just wish. I think the boys are the same. We all wish we'd soaked it in a bit more. Yeah, it goes flashes by too much, too quickly. Um, I wish I'd soaked it a lot more in than I had done. But wonderful time, wonderful to be an Everton fan. But that contract I still got at home means the world to me. That's brilliant. It means the world to me. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was speaking to Reedy before, and he, he was sort of saying the team sort of took on an invincibility sort of my dad always put it down to the Birmingham game when we beat them 2-0 well, I, I always used put that. it down to Oxford yeah. or Stoke what, what would you say well I used the Birmingham game quite often because I, I didn't get in the tide until the November and I played I played three of the games alongside Mark Higgins yeah. who sadly finished so it could have been Kevin and Mark sitting here and not me me right. I might not be I might I might couldn't be I might not be in the annals of evidence history yeah well, I got on the side and we were crap up until Christmas and after Christmas we went to Birmingham 2nd of January and we had that all silver kit or the grey oh, kit great back kit. and we'd done the warm up team sheet warm up come in a quarter past seven there's a knock on the door Mr Kendall you can't wear that kit under the, uh, tonight because it's going to clash under the floodlights and we go what do you mean we're silver there no, it'll clash under the lights and some bright spark probably Andy Gray no doubt says Ref, are we in skins tonight then? <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. And he brought the Birmingham kit man in with the Birmingham away kit. And it was yellow, blue, yellow. Which I think is a classic Everton away yeah. kit. We won 2-0, didn't lose for 20 games. Yeah, amazing. But that gave us a bit of belief because we, we were poor over Christmas and all yeah. of a sudden we're in that one. The week after we go to Stoke and Howard opens the window and says, listen to them yeah. do it for them we beat Stoke 2-0 in the FA Cup we beat again the lead the week after so the momentum was starting everyone talks about Oxford because they were knocking everybody out of the cups yeah. weren't they um, we got a goal from Inchelage on from the Kevin Rock back pass and then we beat them in the replay yeah. and we go to the Mill Cup final and I think the Mill Cup final is what people forget about by getting to Wembley yeah. whoa this is good well, we hey. matched them as well. Oh, we, we should have beat them. them. We should have hey, beat them. This yeah. is good. This is good. Let's yeah. do it again, boys. Lucky for us, we're still in the FA Cup, and we we got into it, and then got to the won the FA Cup, and the rest was. It, it, but that Mill Cup final is, I think, is understated how right. good it was for us to give us a bit of belief in ourselves. How much of a blow was it when, like, we lost the replay then? But did Howard have to pick everyone up, or was it just like, right, let's I, I move remember, on? I can still see Richo and Inchi on the pits crying. But after the game, there wasn't a wasn't a to do in the change room. But it was a, a, an honest discussion. Yeah. And Howard took no. Howard started stood in the corner, going, "This is this is good." We sorted out ourselves. Okay. We could sort out ourselves on the pitch. We could sort it off the pitch. There wasn't. It wasn't a. 
it wasn't a bollocking, but it was a heart to heart to a lot of the lads. Yeah. And it was, we're better than we, we could do this, boys. Yeah. Come on. And, and I think losing the Milk Cup final gave us that little bit of a kick right. to realise, yeah, we can match them. Yeah. We've matched them twice this season. We've matched them in two of the big cup final, in the big cup final and the replay, which we should have won the final at yeah. Wembley. Oh, but we've matched them. And then I think that was that was a turning. But I think that that's one of the games that people actually forget about is the Milk Cup final yeah. the replay. It gave us a bit of belief. But the FA Cup is the first, but the hardest one to win. But again, from there it was just wow. That that year, oh, yeah. How it happened from being 17th the table at the end of Christmas '83 to winning the FA Cup and the Champions within 18 months Amazing. was just boof. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Now the it? youngsters don't understand it, don't understand how good it was to be around it, and the youngsters don't know who we were. The parents tell them, show them these, these Betamax videos. Yeah. Um, but no, it, at the time it was great to be part of a team that was that was going places yeah. and maybe should have gone even further due to certain kinds beyond our control. Oh yeah. Um, but we, we for them three or four years, we were the best team around and I think best by a distance as well. Yeah, well, I've, I've got vague recollections of 84, 85. My first game was Tottenham on the opening day. Yeah, But the one that sticks out was the Man United game. Yeah, we beat, five, I think, yeah. yeah the five. Yeah. No, I was in the top balcony. Yeah. Absolutely terrified well, every time we scored. There were some great games there. We beat, New, we beat Newcastle four, we beat Norwich four, we beat um, Forest five. We had some great away wins like at Anfield. Yeah. You know, it, it was just a, a momentum shifting, momentum gathering, momentum pushing. I did that. We just rolled and rolled. We never we never thought we'd beaten, never thought we'd lost. One nil down, we'll get back into this. Yeah. One nil down, we'll keep pushing. The game doesn't finish, the referee blows the final whistle. But you know, it was a it was a team that I well, a lot of teams don't know believe they were never beaten. Yeah. Never beaten at all. So we've got the Derby coming up. We've not won there for 20 years, it'll be now. Do you think there is a mentality issue there with going there? What did you think about playing in Anfield? Play anywhere. Yeah, was it just Didn't care. another game? Didn't care where I played. Um, it, I was put on the blue shirt and I was playing football. I didn't, I didn't care where I played. Um, I love playing Anfield, love playing at Old Trafford, love going to Highbury. Um, but is there mental block? Did the press, did the press and the fans put it at the players' heads? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, because they now believe everything that's written about them now, and they get really upset. <laughs> um, forget about it. It's a game of football. Yeah. If your preparation's right and you turn it right, you, you, you can win anywhere. You can win anywhere. But I just think now, because it's been 20 years, we haven't won at Anfield since we haven't beat Liverpool. I think it was since it's Andy King. Andy King. Yeah. I was on the terraces. Yeah. The next time we beat them, I'm on the pitch. Amazing. You know, so I know what it's like, but I just think sometimes the media, the press, the fans put a bit too much on the players. Mm. Um, and having to social media, yeah, players having all their own counts. Magnifies they it. read it and read it and read it. So I just think sometimes we go, no, don't worry, we're going to Anfield. So what? Just go and play well. No, we haven't won there in 20 years. <laughs> sometimes the negative, the negative feedback feeds into the players, yeah. and you've got to be careful sometimes. Fingers crossed. We've got to be careful. Fingers year. crossed. I, I, I know it's like to win there. Yeah, it's wonderful. So, last question then. Um, 84-85. Obviously, you scored loads of goals. Mm -hmm. Was it 10 in the league and three in the cup? 10 and four, I think. Four. It was, yeah. So yeah, so you pretty handy at both ends. What was your favourite goal in all that? Well, first of all, I, I wish I was known for defending rather than my goal scorer. That's another point. <laughs> um, my favourite goal. People actually, what I always say to fans, what's my favourite? And they always go Luton Town. Yeah. I go no. Go back the round before to it, which were two one down at home. That's two all. And I scored yeah. late on. We we get a corner as usual. I didn't rush back. Win the ball back. Really chipped it to Fat Man and I was fixed over his head what's Pat doing in the right position cross over and I score without the Ittridge goal there's no semi-final yeah. so I always look at the Ittridge goal it was my first goal in front of the street end as well yeah. oh, amazing I didn't know what didn't know what to do um, <laughs> do you remember how you celebrated I ran to Bracewell grabbed him then Andy Gray came and jumped on me like he always did um, but without that goal there's no semi-final I wouldn't yeah. have scored the semi-final and might not have got to Wembley again so I always look back at that goal as, as a really important one for me. I scored at Old Trafford that year as well. Um, scored a couple of good goals, but everyone talks about the semi-final. I always go back to the, uh, the quarter-final, the Ipswich goal. That's my most important goal for Everton for me. Peter Deed, welcome to the Blue Room. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. So, the Howesway film. Mm. First time the team's been together, is it, for a, a number of years? It is a separate interview, unfortunately, can't make it over from Minnesota, but I'm really looking forward. I haven't seen the movie, I'm looking forward to it, but more. The, 
important so I'm looking forward to seeing the lads yeah. and having a few shandies yeah. as you do <laughs> when you joined the club you um, I was speaking to Rob before and he was saying like it was a young group of players and you kind of came in as a more experienced head you and Andy were a bit of a catalyst to sort of bring that that winning mentality to the team because like the way the team went from Christmas 83 so what happened in yeah, yeah. May 85 it was like minor miracle yeah it was wasn't it but so what was the atmosphere like when you joined no there was there was um, some good young players like yeah, you said yeah. so the atmosphere I mean I I, I failed the medical and then he, he pushed it I think Andy did as well but I would push it through and then I played a few games got injured so I had a struggle and then the team had a struggle and there was pressure coming on and I mean that Christmas of 83 I must have been a year after I signed. It was we got beat at Wolves three 0 There was a game against Coventry. That's the shortest match of the day edition because it was the worst game of football. That was the fifteen thousand, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was brutal. And um, funny enough, I think it changed after that. I I don't think it was the the um, Oxford game. I thought it was the Stoke game. We beat them in the third round a couple from then sort of young players because we were up on the park overnight yeah it's ridiculous we got on the run we said desire Andy Gray was in and and, and there was you know Teddy, Teddy Curran was about but there was a um, there was an energy about the place and I think from from like the January through we only got beat on a couple of occasions one was the Milk Cup replay yeah. but we only got beaten a couple of occasions and we sort of like someone had switched the light on and everything like energy confidence yeah big thing and and a, a desire a, a desire not to get beat and then to win football matches and, and it all come in such a short space of time me and Andy Gray Colin Harvey moving up with Mick Eaton and yeah. uh, the gaffer so there was there's a load of small things that sort of exploded into this massive sort of Good dressing room, good team, a desire to want to win football matches, and just generally a great atmosphere yeah. within the, the the squad of players. I mean, Alan Harper and Kevin Richardson. I mean, I would bought Paul Bracewell after we won the FA Cup, and we're all going, "Wow, great management!" Yeah, great management because Richo was outstanding footballer as well as Harper. And I can't speak hardly enough about these these two lads who come in and did brilliant jobs, but. There was eleven in the team, but really there was them two as well. Yeah, because you and they were brilliant, and we had the best goalie in the world. Oh God, without doubt, yeah, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, go. So you've got a few things going for you. Yeah, and you it just sort of like it. Was it overnight? Was it overnight? Is that it? It, it sort of seemed like it. I think it's as close as you can get, yeah, isn't it? It seemed like it because you, you, you just went out in games, and you, you, there was a belief that you were going to win them. Yeah, which it, it, it turned so. Dramatically, it was untrue. The the power has to change his managerial style. Do you think so? Obviously, he was he was managing a sort of seven eighth place mm. division one team. Mm. Within eighteen months, he's managing one of the best no, teams in think, Europe. I don't think he, he, he changed. I think the players changed. Right. Okay. I think I think the young lads grew up. Yeah. I think they grew okay. up. I think they grew up in 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 front of them both. He's the one who bought him. Yeah. As you need, Trevor Stevens, Kevin Sheedy, yeah. Alan Harper, Neville Southall you know they, 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 through the ranks Gary Stevens and Kevin Reckless but you know these players fair do soon yeah. you know and and, and, and he, he had a belief in, in, in his in his players and it just needed that catalyst to get him through and like you say it changed overnight with them um, well not overnight but it changed within that spirit that desire that confidence just just come in and all these young players that Howard had bought from understand uh, from why is he brought in to wow yeah and that was it yeah. that's, that's was the only way yeah that's like the only way it. you can explain I mean there was a lot of people after Trevor Stephen yeah you know and he chosen and then um, you know I think he went in the middle of the park and then he found that right hand side I fantastic mean, to watch wasn't he good football I mean the two that, them two wide men would, I mean both different but both in 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 their own ways outstanding outstanding footballers both did the job when he didn't have the ball as well yeah which all, all great teams you've got ability you've got skill but you've got to have a desire 
and a work ethic and the side I played in at that. Yeah, do you think, just to go on to the team now then, because that's been something that's levelled? I, don't, I think that's fair comment. Yeah. I think there needs more, more drive yeah. within the players. I think recently Tom Davis has shown that. Yeah. I think he's been excellent, passes the ball forward. It's great forward. to see him come through yeah. and enjoy yeah. it, isn't and it? And the, the, the lads had a bit of stick. And if, if, if you can get that amongst the other players, because there's ability there. But ability alone doesn't win your football matches. You've got no. to have you've got to have that you've got to have that football knowledge and that desire to win football matches. It's it's a big it's an easy way to say desire, but it's harder having it on the park. Yeah, and that, and that's what they got to get. And especially go, with I'm not I'm not telling them how to suck out to that, but I do know about that desire. Yeah, because I've been there as a player and I've been there as a manager. So you got to have it. Yeah, well, we've got the derby coming up. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. You're going. Yeah. yeah. I'm going. Do you think please, 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 please? I oh, know. Do you think there's a thing there with us? Because I know, like, well, listen. I I was involved in a team that went there and won two seasons for a long time. Yeah. No, for but but you know, in Sharp, got goal and won for a long time. Yes. And I, I think that little spell where we beat Liverpool, following week we beat Manchester United five 0 then on the midweek we went and beat Man United at Old Trafford in the League Cup. Yeah. Them three games in ten days or whatever, I think. A massive belief among the supporters yeah. and the players that it's a good side, and you've got to go to them places. Yeah. I mean, I went to the Man City game, and someone said to me after the game, "We got beat three one. Oh, you've done all right today. Nah, got no. beat three one. Yeah. For me, nah, nah. You've got to have standards, and yeah. I'm sorry, even though it's Man City, not for me. Well, yeah. You've got to have that. Yeah. You, you know, when you you can't settle for that, you've got to try and get. That. I know it's going to be hard. Mm. I know it's going to be hard, but you've got to have that mentality. It's the level you've got to get you've to, because you, you could you could you've see got before to that, have that, that yeah. yeah, you've got to have that mentality. It, it, was, it was relatively easy, I suppose, for the team to go into that Man City game thinking we can try this. We probably won't win. Mm. But you can't go in like that, can you? You've got yeah, to. You get it. I mean, you've got to get in the faces, and you've got to, like I said, the desire to get results. And, and by the way, that's that's what as a club, uh, Everton have got to look to do. Yeah, simple as. Wonderful stuff there from two club legends and our very own Les Roberts, of course. Uh, do go and check that film out if you've not already. It's a fantastic watch about one of the greatest spells in the football club history. Uh, that brings an end to this week's show here on Radio City Talk. Thanks very much to the server, to Les, to Derek Manfield and to Peter Reid as well, of course, and to Willie Kirk. Best of luck to him and his players on Sunday in that huge game in Anfield. We'll be back again at the same time next week with the Blue Room here on Radio City Talk. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.